Michael. Yeah. Here we are again. For some reason, it feels like it's been a long time. It has been a long time. Because um, we recorded early last week. Right. Then I went on vacation. Right. Here we are once again in my bedroom. Yeah. There are no sheets on my bed. I'm wrapped in a really cozy kind of oh, yeah. teal. Is this teal? Mm, I think it's more like baby blue. Yeah. But it's somewhere on the on the non-binary spectrum between yeah. teal and baby blue. Yeah, 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 definitely. It's a funny little baby blue, baby blue with a little green added. It's really fluffy. I mm-hmm. really like American blankets, which is something I learned about late in life, that like American blankets aren't thin garbage. No. You know, like this, the fluffy, like this This has... is a down comforter. I brought this all the way from Washington. This is like my fucking dowry that I brought on a pilgrimage. Yeah, I didn't know down comforters existed <clears throat> until like I met Ugh. regular people in college. Love those bitches. It's like you could do a contour map of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it has elevation. Absolutely. Topographical map. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm used to like a wool square. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A wool square has its place. Yeah. Like in the garbage. <laughs> no. As someone who lived for two years with no electricity and no running water, mm-hmm. I like to put one soft blanket on top of me, a wool square on top of that, and then a down comforter over it all. That's the best blanket mix that I've ever found, having lived with only wood heat from wood that I had to chop myself wow. <laughs> for two years. Okay. Well, next so, time I'm in that situation, mm-hmm. which might be sooner. Yeah, than sooner I rather it to than be. later, given the apocalyptic tone this season. We've been flirting with the idea of starting a dating podcast. Yeah, a spinoff dating podcast. Michael has proposed mm-hmm. to me. Yes. Um, the idea of adding another little podcast to our family. Kind of like a dating podcast where it's not. Uh, overtly jewish but only like in a you know in a secretive behind the veil jewish kind of pulling the strings of the dating protocols of the elders yeah exactly (laughs) kind of like that just subtle you know if the talmud comes up it comes up if it doesn't it doesn't and yeah i've been trying to think of good names for it i thought of calling it real play Mm -hmm. i thought i think i thought of one other name oh too gay to function too gay to function yeah it's a quote from Mean Girls. It probably is already a podcast. Let me know if you like that. <sighs> it's already a podcast, you stupid bitches. I know. Don't put stupid bitches in the podcast. Okay. It's edgy of me to say that. Yeah, you're you're on fire, dude. You're, you're real spunky today. Also, I've just really gotten into saying stupid bitches recently. I've noticed that. I really appreciate it. Right? Isn't it fun? I love that bitch is coming back. Yeah. I love it that right. it's coming back. I mean, I've always loved bitch. If we get to like 100 patrons, yeah. I guess we'll strongly consider. I'm already strongly considering it. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Great. I you've, love it. Uh, you've really All I did was suggest me. it. Well, you've been talking about the idea of spinoff podcasts for a long time. Yeah. And I've been resistant up until now. I know. What happened? I think we're just ready. We're I ready. Think we're just ready. So anyway, listeners, in order for us to do this spinoff podcast, we need a couple things. We need a name for our podcast, which mm-hmm. we'll we'll take advice on. We need people asking us questions. And yeah. just to sell you on our um, credentials, my longest relationship has been three years. <laughs> I have dated an embarrassing number of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. 
and uh, Hava, you're freshly divorced. Yeah, freshly divorced after two years of marriage. And so. now in a quite serious relationship. I don't know if I'd say quite serious, but it's getting serious. I'd say it's warming up. We're at the frog in the pot level. Right, right. Right after getting divorced, which is totally not a red flag at no, all. I, I have been separated for almost a year mm, before okay. I started dating this person. So fuck you very much. Yeah, if you do have dating advice questions... Send them to us. You can email us at hi, how are you at gmail.com or you can call the Talmud hotline at 401-484-1619 and let us know that it's a dating question and we will file it away. Save it. We'll save it for mm. future podcasts. But if we get questions, that'll let us know that there's interest. So And you can also tweet at us. Oh yeah, you can tweet at us. You can find me at hi, how are you? And you can find Michael at Miss underscore figured. I'm gonna ask you how you are. Okay, go ahead. Okay. How are you? How's it going? What's new? Um, Baruch Hashem. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> what a twist. I'm well. I taught a class last night and it went really well. I just ate some delicious fried rice with veggies and tilapia, mm. which might not sound good to you all out there, but to me. Is that the frozen tilapia? That? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. Oh, great. Defrost so quickly. I know. I love that shit. Yeah. This episode brought to you by individually packaged <laughs> frozen tilapia. <laughs> It's great. Um, you know, I go to Price Right, get a bag of that shit. Yeah. Cheap protein, yeah. relatively Grocery speaking. shopping time is coming up again, huh? I know, I know. I'm going to have to let you know. So I ate that fried rice. That was super good. I'm washing my sheets, which feels very grown up. I have a cool crochet project. Ooh, the demo, a demo for the new Zelda game that's coming out in November came out, and I've been playing it, and it's oh. so fun. And, you know, I never got into Zelda. I always watched my brother. He was in the Final Fantasy camp. Mm-hmm. Like me. I think Zelda was, like, too gay mm-hmm. for him, you know? Ugh, it is gay. You know, like, Final Fantasy is not, I mean, it's gay, but it's not as gay as Zelda. Yeah. Sometimes it's painfully heterosexual. This demo came out, and it was really, really fun. But now I have to wait until November 20th for the whole game to come out, which actually sort of makes the waiting even more painful now that I've had a taste. All right. Well, I mean, I hope that that worked out for you. Me fucking too. Yeah. Michael, hi, how are you? Uh, Well, I will say that um, similar to Hava, I've also chosen to escape into the fantasy of digital worlds. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say similar to Hava Baruch Hashem, which would have real that would have been a fucking twist. Oh, that would have been real twisty. Yeah, it's okay. File that away for some future episode. As I was flossing this morning, because I forgot to floss last night, mm-hmm. I was actually thinking every moment is just as holy as every other moment. Amen. I know. Couldn't agree more. The reason I have these like really uh, intense, uh, blah, blah, what's the thing? Where, uh, epiphanies? Uh, epi- yeah, epiphanies. Mm-hmm. I get these epiphanies in the bathroom because my bathroom is so ugly. Yeah, your bathroom is hideous. There's a hole in the wall. Four rats could come through <laughs> at the same time. At any time. And you, it's just a dark. Luckily, we don't have rats. It's just a dark abyss. It's just there every time I sit yeah. on the toilet. I was thinking about getting a, a new toilet seat for my toilet, just like yeah. a fancy like Art Deco like <laughs> toilet seat that I just is like the most like expensive thing in my yeah. little room. I'm also willing to bet that your spiritual epiphanies, you're sort of primed for them by the fact that you make a spiritual podcast every week. That's that can't true. hurt your That's chances. True. Yeah, it's true. Also, it really helps that my material status is perpetually declining. Yeah, I've certainly found the precarity of my survival to always be a real great impetus towards <laughs> mystical experience. It's been great. It's a great silver lining. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've been good. I've been fine. You know, yeah. I got yeah. a couple of job prospects. Maybe. Oh, did you clarify the digital world you're talking about was Animal Crossing? No, I should say that my digital world of choice is Animal Crossing and I am going hard. Yeah. If you have good turn up prices, let Michael know. I made a killing. I made like 500,000 bells the other day. Michael, this is how Jewish stereotypes get started. I, I know, I know. You're a turnip magnate. So listeners, we hope that you actually have lives that um, exist in the material plane. Yeah, we hope you're saying Baruch Hashem wherever you are. Yeah. Should we get into it? So this is going to be starting a big journey of listener questions. We have like six, seven, eight listener questions in the bank so mm-hmm. we are going to be spending the next month or so answering your questions which i'm really really excited about this is like the richest harvest of listener questions we've ever yeah. had and it's great we got a variety some are really good and some are like you should be embarrassed that you even asked them. <laughs> oh my gosh no they're all wonderful don't be a bitch michael okay not to our listeners they are the loves of our life our listeners like to get nagged a little bit i don't know about that I guess you'll let us know, listeners. Maybe I'm just projecting and I'm unhealthy. I mean, you're usually projecting. (laughs) So without further ado, let's listen to the voicemail we're going to be dealing with this week. Hi, this is Azaria. Um, I am comfortable with you playing the call on the podcast. And I am calling because there's some gender weirdness going on in Bava Messia 83A. And my Havruta and I couldn't figure it out. And we're hoping that you're going to help us understand what's going on here. So we're looking at this discussion about preparing a feast for them like that of King Solomon. But then, and you know, most of this is in the masculine because, you know, gender assumptions and rabbis. But there's this one place in that section where it talks about Imhen Shehen, and I'm pretty sure that's feminine, but we can't figure out what changed. Like, we're talking about workers and obligations, and then all of a sudden we have this shift to the feminine. Yeah, we're just wondering what's up with the gender stuff there. Um, some really awesome, you know, labor practices and what to do to the workers, too, but why this shift to the feminine? Can you help me out? Anyway, thank you. Bye. Thank you, Azaria, for calling. Uh, Hava. Uh, what was that call? About? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's a very specific little thing we're going to be diving into. So Zarya was talking about a sugya on Bava Metzia 83a. There's a grab bag of subjects in that masechet. So basically what's happening in the section that Azaria is talking about is a guy has offered to include food with his workers' compensation. So he's hired some day laborers, okay. and he told them food would also be provided. Oh, okay, so are all the day laborers hanging out with each other and the boss man, and mm-hmm. they're all negotiating together? This is after the negotiation. Oh, okay. So he's hired the guys, and he said food will be provided. Then presumably he goes home to his dad, who's a rabbi, and his rabbi says to him, He says to them, even if you prepared a feast for them, like Solomon in his time, it wouldn't fulfill your obligation because they are children of Abraham, Isaac, and Isaac. I, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Basically, the dad is saying, the subtext is he's saying, you need to specify in your negotiations because if you just say you'll provide food, they're entitled to the finest food money can buy because they're like princes because all 
Jews are like princes, basically. That is some lawyerly bullshit. <laughs> that is some bad faith making bad faith assumptions. That's good. That's that's the stereotypes right there. Boom. I strongly disagree. That's my strongly disagree voice. Oh, okay, great. I strongly disagree. I think what's actually happening here is the Jews at this time are basically an oppressed group under the Romans. So it's sort of like this scrappy underdog thing, sort of being like, listen, if you are dealing with our people like we're the only ones who look out for each other so you need to treat them like with the utmost care is he saying like you need to treat them with the utmost care or if you don't want to treat them with the utmost care specify (laughs) the food that's a fair possible reading okay i think it's just in favor of clear negotiation because the alternative that he ends up offering, what the rabbi ends up offering, is that he should have specified that the meal will only be of bread and legumes, which is standard fare for the day. Sounds like he's trying to not take care of his fellow man. I mean, I think a meal of bread and legumes is like a standard meal. In fact, ultimately, the Talmud ends up discarding this entire argument, and it's just sort of a fun story we okay, get told. All right. Basically... What we end up with is like whatever people are accustomed to eating for a meal there. I see. That's what you have to give them. So in the end, I think we come to a fair and just conclusion. But this is not even what we're here to talk about. What are we here to talk about? I'm so glad you asked. In the sentence that I read you, the father in our story is talking about the feast and he's referring to the group of workers at the beginning of the sentence he says afilu im ata lahem so even if you make for them and that word lahem means to them in a masculine plural third person gender okay okay later on in the sentence it says lo yatsat yade so it switches. I don't know if you can hear the enunciation there, but it switches instead of having a, a mim and an m sound at the end of the word, it switches to having an in sound, which is a plural third person feminine ending. So seemingly halfway through a sentence, the character who's speaking switches the genders of the group of people who he's talking about. Okay, can you read the sentence in English saying masculine them, feminine them? Sure. So even if you made for this group of men, let's say, mm-hmm. just for to use fast and sloppy gender choices, mm-hmm. even if you make for this group of men a feast like Solomon in his time, it wouldn't fulfill your obligation to this group of women because they are children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Interesting. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Obviously, that is a... Very binary way to understand Hebrew grammar, but we work with what we have. So that, I think, is what Azaria's primary question is about, is what the hell is going on here with the grammar? Got it. Okay, okay. There's two interesting things, I think, that we can get out of this question. First, to answer Azaria's question directly, I think what's going on here is truly and honestly a typo. A typo. Yes, which I think is actually really interesting. And my evidence for that choice is that if you go into the Rashi, if you go into the commentary by Rashi on this sentence, Mm -hmm. he actually uses masculine in both cases in the sentence. Okay. What is Rashi like? Is he the sort of person who glazes over the details in general? Or is he like laser focused on tiny little changes like that? I think he's laser focused for sure. And his whole 
enterprise was to clarify the Talmud. So if there was a grammatical point that needed clarifying, which is something he often does, Mm. I think he would clarify it. I think that whatever manuscript Rashi was looking at didn't have this typo. Oh, interesting. Yes. Interesting theory. Yes, which I think is very possible. The version that most of us use of the Talmud when we're looking at an original page is actually this sort of like composite version that's been put together from like looking at lots of different manuscripts of the Talmud. That's what I think is happening basically is there is a typo. Another thing I just want to say is that at the time of the Talmud, Hebrew spelling was not standardized. So also it was like the Wild West out there. (laughs) I think the fact that it's a typo is really interesting and actually important because it opens up the possibility that a text can have an error in it and still be sacred. You know, there's a whole interesting conversation to be had about epistemology, right? You might think that a sacred book needs to be full of all true information. Um, Yeah, yeah. That's kind of where I would, you know, (laughs) that's kind of where I'd lean. Yeah. So that's one challenge. I like to think that these little kashas, these difficulties, in this case, these typos, are actually sort of like windows, opportunities for us to get into the text and do fun interpretive shit. So the typo opens up an ability to uh, create new propaganda? Is that what you're trying to say? (laughs) Everything is an opportunity to create propaganda. I know, that's true. Uh, I'm saying the typo is our opportunity to reinterpret the tradition and examine it from a new angle. All right, so let's say we do that. Let's say we reinterpret it and we're like, whoa, what this really means, guys, hint, hint, wink, wink, is that like everyone's a big old fag. Everyone's <laughs> got a fag out 24-7, fag, 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 right? Uh-huh. But then what if I, I come along and I'm like, hey, but this is a typo. You can't just like, come on, that's not the way this, this, this interpretive text thing works. If we acknowledge it's a typo, we can't then make meaning of it beyond the fact that it's a typo. I disagree. I strongly disagree. Why can you? Why? You seem to be implying that we can only make meaning out of things that are intentional, which is not the way that I understand meaning making to happen. No, we can make meaning of things that aren't intentional, too, but we can't force the meaning we want into them. You, again, seem to be implying that there's some meaning that's objectively in the text that we have a responsibility to. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the school of text interpretation that I subscribe to. Also, right, I would okay. say my interpretation of this typo is not that everyone everyone is super gay, okay. even though everyone is super gay, objectively. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think you know that. You're just being a little snot right now. Yes, continue. My What's your interpretation? interpretation is that this typo is here to offer us an opportunity to think about how our class analysis often, when it when it's formed inside of patriarchal society, creates a sort of idealized version of the worker that's necessarily a man. And this typo, this changing of grammatical gender, is an opportunity for us to contemplate how our analysis of labor relations might be changed if the default gender of worker of working class was considered to be feminine. I see. So the mistake makes you ponder who a worker is. Yeah. To use some classic examples from our own time, like I think 
businesses and uh, at least in the West, I think most other places as well, tend to view concerns that are in the sexist mindset associated with women. So, for instance, like menstruation and breastfeeding mm-hmm. as sort of like extra things that they have to accommodate. Right, right. Right. That the default worker does not have to do those things and that the defective worker has some extra concerns, right? I mean, this, you know, I'm using all kinds of loosey-goosey terminology here, and there's also a lot of complicated stuff to be said about people who are not women who menstruate and breastfeed, but to view it from the mindset of the business, like, they sort of see the closer you are to woman in their eyes, Mm -hmm. the more accommodation you require because you're farther away from what they consider to be the default worker. Yeah, yeah, I hear you, I hear you. And I think that that mindset is frequently reproduced on the left. I see, I see, I see. And so making the typo reminds us of the fact that that's happening. Yeah, I mean, making the typo is an opportunity for us to investigate that. I don't think whoever wrote this put that typo in there yeah thinking that we would do this i think on some divine mystical level this typo was preserved so that you and i could have this moment sometimes a crazy thing happens that was unintentional like you know a bird lands on your podium while you're giving a speech to your adoring fans or whatever <laughs> something like that for example yeah, for example or a fly lands in your hair or a fly lands in your hair for example and it, yeah it's uh it's yeah Okay, I get it. I think this typo is like a epistemological gift from God sent to us from approximately 2,000 years in the past. Mm, Okay, well, that's cool. You and I are receiving it now. Wow, wow. And I think that's the case with many things. And in fact, the whole Talmud is based on this same process. The rabbis spent their entire lives going through the Torah and finding little things that were like, well, this makes no fucking sense, uh-huh, uh-huh. and trying to make sense of it. So this is exactly the same endeavor. I see. So we're doing it. We're doing it live we're here. We're doing it. We're doing it live. We're doing the rabbinical endeavor live. Okay, question for you, Hava. Yeah. If you were to rewrite this section of Talmud, and the men were actually women, mm-hmm. the men were women, in addition to the legumes and bread... <laughs> <laughs> What would you include? Oh, how would I alter the meal to account for a feminist understanding of the class analysis? Yes. Yeah. Would you include like tissues because women cry all the time? (laughs) (laughs) Is that where you'd go? (laughs) What would you do? Um, I don't know how I would alter the meal, but I think something that's relevant, right, is there's actually a piece of labor here that's unaccounted for, which is that it's almost definitely the main character's wife at home who makes this bread and legumes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you'd be like, I'm going to give you guys food and I'm also going to pay my wife. (laughs) (laughs) You're such a little snot today. Um, Yeah, I think the text would have to expand. Like, I think we would have to add more here dealing with the uncompensated gendered labor that even makes the relationship between the laborers and the man in the story possible Mm, you know we would have to expand the scope of our discussion it would introduce whole pages of more talmud about quote women's work domestic work or you can do my solution which is just two weeks maternity leave and then everything else stays the same (laughs) what do you think about that love that liberalism if rashi did see the typo and correct it that's a whole other interesting 
alternate timeline. You're not women. You're men. Yeah. You're men. Deal with it, men. Zarya, I hope this bizarre ramble that we have gone on has been helpful. My opinion is that it's a typo. It's a manuscript difference. I can't speak to why we might have wanted to preserve it Mm -hmm. in the original, maybe just because we tend to preserve even things that are typos, which in my opinion is part of the divine plan that allows us to have these beautiful little moments. I hope that in some sense was helpful to your question. I really appreciate you calling it in to us. And I think that wraps up our discussion of this one sentence on Baba Mitzia 83A. I, you know, wow. Okay. I'm a little shit. And mm-hmm. yeah. And also, mistakes are sacred within our tradition. Mistakes They're gifts are sacred. From God, in my humble opinion. Epistemological gifts. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Epistemological play. Epistemological pick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to our absolute nonsense. Yeah, we appreciate it. Let us know how you feel about us starting a dating advice show. Mm -hmm. Send us your Talmud questions. Send us your dating questions and we'll save them. Yep. I hope each and every one of you has a delicious bagel this week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we'll talk to you later. Bye, listeners. Bye.